Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 517 of the Locked On Senator Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And if it wasn't already, this Ottawa Senator season is cursed. Coming off a 4-1 loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets, Ross, and to add insult to injury, more injuries to this team as Thomas Shabbat, it appears, has a broken hand and he's going to miss some time. And that's not it. We got more. Another young superstar was not on the ice for practice this morning. We'll tell you who that is, what the lines are at practice, recap last night's loss, and look at some bigger issues this team has been dealing with. All that plus, we're only four days away from the NHL trade deadline. How does this recent string of injuries in the entire organization affect how Pierre Dorian could and should approach the deadline? All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, March 17th. And Pilsy, happy birthday, buddy. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it and appreciate all the nice notes on Twitter. Uh, You know, I wish I could have got a birthday gift in the form of a Sens win and uh, no added injuries to this team's injury list. But you can't have everything, right? I thought the Belleville Sens sweater was appropriate for me because that's kind of where the depth is at. In this organization, no Thomas Shabbat. Sounds like a broken hand. Darren Dreger reporting that. And we're right after we finish recording, Jake Sanderson is diagnosed week to week with a hand injury. So the two most promising defensemen in the organization on the same day diagnosed with, we don't know if it's broken for Jake, but they got the same injury in terms of a hand. And it just makes me shake my head because Ridley Gregg's day-to-day right now. He's missed the last two games with injury. You look down in the minors in Belleville. Lassie Thompson is out for the next extended period of time. So if you count Colin White, who missed 50 games, if you count um, Josh Norris, who missed a, a significant piece of time, Tyler Boucher as well when he got to the OHL, that's eight first-round picks for Ottawa out of the lineup. You can say what you want, and we have been kind of pumping the drum of, you know, you have to have depth. Everyone has injuries, but at some point, I mean, this is just getting ridiculous. Yeah, like how many extra first-rounders can you have here? Like, they're just dropping like flies, all your top players. And, Ross, that the Sanderson news, I think, was an extra blow because we praised how great that play was. We were like, that's what we want to see. And then when you get injured on a play like that, it's tough. Uh, obviously, no blame to Sanderson there. He's doing everything yeah. he can. And it's just a f- kind of freak non-hockey play that ends up hurting him there. But, man, if we end up at a point where we don't get to see Shabbat and Sanderson play together this season, that's just going to be absolutely heartbreaking. Because that's the light of at the end of the tunnel, right? Like, that's what we're all waiting for. Sure, 
The season sucks. The team sucks. They lose seemingly every single game. Goaltending's an issue. The decor might be some of the worst ever. This team can't score. How long do we have to list all the negatives? But we were at least sitting there being like, at the end of the season, this team's going to be more healthy, just like the end of last season. We're going to spoil playoff teams' chances of rising in the standings. We're going to send teams every night. We're going to get to see fifth overall pick Jake Sanderson enter the pros and be a stud right away. Yeah, I don't know if that's even a possibility. And right now, the trade deadline is looming. That was supposed to be a little, a little flicker of light. For us to look forward to. Holy crap. We still don't have a single ounce of news. It doesn't sound like anyone's interested in the Sens players. Now they got to keep guys just to put a roster on the ice. This is brutal. And we're going to have boots on the ground in two of the next four games. Pillsy will be at the game in Montreal on Saturday. And I'll be at the one in Winnipeg next Thursday. Who knows what kind of lineup we'll see there. But the Senators did practice this morning. At the Sensplex, and these were the lines. It was Norris, Kachuk, and Colin White. We saw Colin White get some shifts up there last night. He stays, at least for now, as Nick Paul moves to center on the second line between Alex Formanton and Connor Brown. The third line, Chris Tierney between Tyler Ennis and Adam Gaudet. And the fourth line of Dylan Gambrell, Zach Sanford, and Austin Watson. On defense, Brantstrom and Zub, Holden and Zaitsev, and Mete with Josh Brown. The goalies, Gustafson and Forsberg, seeming to lean that Gustafson could play tomorrow. We'll have that for you tomorrow at Send Central on Twitter. But Pilsy, Parker Kelly's the odd man out here, and that kind of has me shaking my head because he was at least one of the guys who's going every shift working his hardest last night. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that brings his hard hat and his lunch pail to work every day. And sure, maybe he only gets about 10 minutes of ice time, but he usually racks up a couple hits. He plays hard. He doesn't um, have any kind of low tempo shifts. And our, our guy, Josh Powers, our Send Central Citizen, you're going to hear in tomorrow's episode, he's going to be disappointed to see that Kelly was the odd man out because it was another great Parker Kelly performance. He was one of the only players that we had positive things to say about in last night's game. And he gets the boot here. And we talked about possibly bubble wrapping Nick Paul. I think at this point, that's, this is when I would have done that, right? Like I would have had Colin White stay playing center, take Paul out and keep Kelly in the lineup because like having Nick Paul now, like who, who cares? Like this team's garbage uh, regardless. And you're going into a back-to-back scenario where you're in 29th place in the league. Getting wins doesn't really matter here. You might as well protect any assets you have. Like Nick Paul's got to be the only guy other teams are really interested in. Everyone else, the Sens are just interested in moving them and hoping <laughs> to get rid of them. Whereas Nick Paul is a guy where teams maybe actually be like, hey, we, we're dialed in focus on trying to get Nick Paul so why not bubble wrap him and keep Kelly in the lineup that's not fair for a guy like Kelly who's worked so hard night in and night out and been brought up and playing a good fourth line role to be the odd man out here this decor your thoughts I don't know man like this is what we expected to happen if Shabbat was out at least you know what I'll I'll try to spin some positivity on this at least we get to see Brants from a Zub, right that's what we were preaching for at least I was like okay you want to see a real litmus test on Eric Bransom is he good or not any player that has played with Artem Zub on this Ottawa Senators roster even dating back to last season has had much better success 
than they normally do. Or at least there's no excuse because Artem Zub seems to make whoever he's with be able to play up to a better standard. So Brandstrom, you got the right D partner. You're getting top power play time. Like this is your moment to show that you're worth it and to prove that you can handle this and you don't need to be on a third pair with Josh Brown. So let's see how that goes. Last night, Eric Brandstrom got to play almost 14 minutes at even strength with Artem Zub. They had nine shot attempts for 13 against, but all in all, and they were on for one goal against the two of them, but all in all, this was just a, a not great performance for the Ottawa Senators. I want to get your thoughts on it a little bit deeper. But first, a quick word from our friends at Bet Online because March Madness is officially underway. So check out betonline.net for all of your college hoops wagering needs from player props to futures to the game itself. It's betonline.net. But if you're not into college hoops, they've got NBA, they've got MMA, they've got NHL. And you can always bet on futures in the NFL as well. So whatever your wagering needs are, head to betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. So the Ottawa Senators fall 4-1 to the Columbus Blue Jackets and their current homestand. They're 1-3 and three through four games. And to me, the biggest disappointment is allowing 18 goals on this four-game stretch on home ice. They have one more opportunity tomorrow to make it a little bit more respectable against Philadelphia, but safe to say this is about as bad of a five-game homestand as you can get in what we said is about as easy as it gets in the NHL. Well, that's just the thing, right? Like if we're looking at a homestand where they're playing Tampa, Florida, Boston, Carolina, then you're saying, all right, you know, those are good teams. They're going to spank a bad team like this, but these are all teams that we had the Senators slated as winnable games. And to only beat the doormat of the league in the Seattle Kraken and barely beat them at that, letting in three goals at the third period and squeaking one in overtime, that's just not good enough. And for the fans, like, Ross, we're doing the show every day and it's hard to stay positive. And last night's postcast was a bit of a, a dark cloud over it and we tried to spin some negativity into positivity. There's not much more we can do here. Like this team just is not getting better. And we're coming up to a crucial point at the trade deadline here where they can make changes to try to improve. And we're not seeing any of that looking like it's going to happen here. So I don't see how things change, especially when you start looking at more injury troubles. We can't use it as an excuse, but it is a reality. And this team I feel for the guys like Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk that have to answer to the media every game. How do you? How bad is the mood? How how tough is it in the locker room right now? Like sucks, and that's what Brady Kachuk says. Like what do you what do you want the guy to say? He's working his ass off there. He was my central standout. Over seven shot, or I should say seven shots, and lots of great chances. Playing physical, getting into it after the whistle, trying to bring his team into the battle. And he just gets a flat performance like this and they lose 4-1 to a Columbus Blue Jackets team at home. At 5-on-5, five five, they had 30 shots. So only one shot on, on their two power plays. So 30 shots, 7 of them high danger scoring chances according to Natural Statric. So to me, that just tells you you're not getting enough into the dirty areas. And the goal was a perfect example of how when you do, good things happen. Tyler Ennis goes to the net and Thomas Shabbat creates everything else. Shabbat had a fantastic game. It's unfortunate it only lasted 8.57 for 
for five him. Five shots in that time, Ross. Yeah, five shots. That and beauty assist, assist yeah. as well. So when you look at what he brings to the table, it's going to be a lot for anyone to step up and replace. But when you have Branstrom there, for the end of the season, like we said before, they're not making the playoffs. So why not just let him run? Played yep. almost 28 minutes last night. Sure, I'm okay with that. His value right now is never going to be lower. It would be a brutal time to sell on Eric Branstrom. Yeah, exactly. Just, just go and check it out in the summer if that's what you want to do. The left side, Holden, I think is is fair to stay there for the rest of the year. So even without Shabbat, Branstrom, Holden, whatever. Zuba in the first pair on the right side, sure. The other three, unless you're trying to lose, I don't think they should really be anywhere near this lineup. And that's a problem when half of your decor is below replacement level. So I think that's, if I had to pinpoint one problem on this team, that's probably where I'd go. But last night, like, just felt like like they were just, like, lullabying the game to bed. There was no tenacity. There was no, like, that Brady Kachuk leadership style where he drags you into the fight. It just felt like the team didn't really, outside of him, he was mixing it up after every whistle, but nobody was really in the fight with him, it felt. Yeah, especially after that flat first period. I know they get the first goal, but they get out shot 15 to 8, and Columbus is just dominating pace of play. And without, it was like four saves in a row for Anton Forsberg, and then he flashes the leather on Roslovic and one of one of his best saves of the year, the Forsbergler, that clearly was, um, was showing in that save. But they weren't able to generate many high danger scoring chances like you mentioned uh, there wasn't a lot of power play time in this game only a two power play so they're not able to really set up and without Shabbat it's tough to really have the proper uh, makeup for that power play and get things set up Ransom's not used to playing up with those guys so it's it's a tough scenario and I don't know like I was watching the condensed game Ross and every single offensive opportunity for Columbus it seemed was a result of number 22 not not doing his job and not being a, a proper shutdown defenseman. Like, that goal that Rosovic uh, gets, the second goal, Zaitsev is just, like, hanging out and giving him, like, quick quick cross-checks, and the puck is bouncing, and Zaitsev's not even aware of where even, the puck is. He, the puck could have been at the blue line. It wouldn't have made a difference with how yeah, he played it, that. Yeah, it could have been. They could have been transitioning. The Sens could have been transitioning the puck out of the zone, and Zaitsev would still be there cross-checking away, and Rosovic has the wherewithal to be like, I don't need to deal with this little this fly buzzing around me. The puck's right here in the middle of the slot. I'm just going to scoop it and get a quick shot in, and that's what he does. And it's not like that's Milan Lucic standing in front of the net. Like, Rosovic is a an undersized forward he's a skilled yeah. guy when he's beating you in a net front battle you got to reevaluate what your position is on the team that's that's the shutdown defenseman and then dj having the audacity yesterday to say that fan, it's easy for fans to get on defensive defensemen this is an organization that had chris phillips for over a thousand games had zidane ochara at the start volchenkov. of his career had volchenkov had mark mathot yep. these are solid defensive defensemen fans are in in ottawa and and fans of the senators are smarter than to think points when you look at certain defensemen they know how to evaluate a good defenseman and it's insane to be gaslit by the coach being like no no he is doing his job that's back-to-back absolutely brutal performances for him we've seen branstrom be pulled out of the lineup for so much less than that and the double standard is just unbelievable. Imagine being 
Eric Branson or one of these other defensemen who's in and out of the lineup. And when you're up top, they're like, hey, we want you to watch from up top and try to see what the guys who are in the lineup are doing. And then you look at that. That was the most embarrassing defense I've seen played in a long time. And that really shifted the game. Because the 2-1 goal, nice shot. Sure, maybe Forsberg, you want him to have it. But it was a good shot by Eric Robinson. The the third one, that's the backbreaker. That's where you're like, all right, we're already probably not playing with as much intensity as we should be in in the fourth game of a a homestand where we're getting waxed every night. You would just hope that you would have an answer for that, not just, all right, just have your way. Two feet outside the crease and whatever. It's all good. No, there's absolutely no uh, repercussions for guys like number 22. So why? why He probably doesn't even think he's doing anything wrong, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where it stands with that. The the one thing I will say, and I agree with you, like for DJ Smith to kind of harp on, uh, and, and I think there's maybe some subtweeting going on there that he's uh, speaking to certain people directly that have been harping on uh, Brown and Zaitsev, maybe reporters, uh, whatever. But I get he's he's got to stand up for his guys. Like that's one thing where I, I will appreciate that. As fans, it's tough because we're seeing it and we've been talking about it and we know what's going on with the defense there. It's, it's not a secret. But I would rather DJ Smith try to talk up his guys and try to, you know, be on their side. You don't want a me versus them kind of situation like what happens in Toronto when the coach comes out and his plan is, all right, I'm going to absolutely tear into these guys in front of the media and call them soft in front of uh, these these reporters that are drinking Diet Cokes and uh, eat donuts all day. And I'm going to call my players soft and uh, let everyone know how bad they are. Like, that's not a way that you coach a good team, and that's not how you get guys to play hard for you. So I understand the frustration, the way DJ's wording it, and he's hot too. I mean, he's got to go through all this shit losing too, and he doesn't get the opportunity to have the lineup that he envisioned in his mind and that him and Dorian talked about that, all right, when we have this lineup, it's going to work like this. These pieces are going to match up here and everything is going to work out. He hasn't had that luxury, so he's had to just be dragged through the mud with this as well. So... It's a tough situation all around for the Sens, and th- there's no hiding though. There's no like you can't hide from it, and it's wh- what are we on now, Ross? Year four of just basement of the league. Uh, no matter what happens, we got to find excuses. Things aren't working. Like eventually, something's got to change here, and I, I think at, yeah, year five. Yeah, wow. If if Dorian can't get this team to playoffs. And I was going to say playoff contention there, but that's not good enough. They need to squeak into the playoffs next year. And if they don't, you tried it, didn't work. And they need to move in a different direction here because it's it's not working out like this. And sure, you can say, well, though all those uh, drafting, developing they did, they haven't had time to flourish. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because you didn't support, you didn't surround those guys with proper support so that they could flourish. The pro scouting has been trash. It's been garbage. So sure, you can say they've done a good job getting all those prospects and draft picks in place. Anyone can tear a team down and collect draft picks. That's easy. Now, how are you going to put them all together and give them the right support and veterans and find the proper shutdown defensemen that can help this team keep the puck out of the net? How are you going to put all that together? And they have not been able to put it all together. Open auditions on defense, Pilsy. News coming out after practice. Thomas Shabbat likely done for the season. 
For the season? Yep. I mean, I almost, I'm so mad that they have this excuse of injuries and it's, it's fair. Like we just mentioned all these first round picks. Pinto was the first pick in the second round. So it's close. Hey, if Seattle is in the league, that's a first round pick 32nd overall. That being said, you just wish that there was a little bit something more. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, what are we going to do? I got I got some sort of good news though. Tim Stutzla, it's a lower body injury. He's questionable for Friday. So day to day. Day to day for Tim Stutzla. But Thomas Shabbat out for the year. Yeah, I mean what what uh <laughs> I got nothing here. Got this nothing. timing's great. Shout out Steve on Sense. He's always a fun follow on Twitter. Sending all my love to the positive and optimistic Sense Twitter accounts that popped up over the last few years. Who are now just as jaded as the long haulers. <laughs> Feel like that's yeah. We we got right absolutely torts for being way too positive for years. And hey, I Pillsy's positivity, preaching patience, all those P's I try to work in there. And but eventually, like man, I I can't lie to you guys. I can't just make stuff up here. Like this is this is absolutely bonkers right now that uh, we got to deal with this and no Shabbat for the rest of the season. Yep. Well, hey, Elite Prospects just put out their top 64 2022 NHL draft rankings. Do they have their do not draft players up? Because we can pencil those in as Sens picks. No, but the Senators, I think, without Shabbat, have a pretty strong possibility to to finish bottom three right now. It's going to be a basement battle tomorrow night against Philadelphia, playing against the Flyers team who's going to be on the second half of back-to-back and likely without Claude Giroux. He's playing his thousandth game as a flyer tonight. My levy lock, hammer him to score a goal yeah. in what is in all likelihood his final game as a Philadelphia flyer. I, I want to say that it, he's less than the fifth flyer to have uh, a thousand games played, but pretty safe to say that he's, uh, he's going to get one tonight, eh? Oh my God, yeah, hammer that because... Claude Giroux, I don't think he's going to worry too much about the score. He's just going to relish the moment and be like, I got to get one more as a flyer here. He's only the second Philadelphia flyer to reach 1,000 games. Bobby Clark, the first? Yep. And Bobby Clark played 1,144. But isn't that a surprising number? I mean, the Sens are a much younger franchise, almost 20 years younger, and they have three with Alfie Phillips and Neil. So I, I think that's pretty... Pretty well, and then Spets I think was at like nine sixty or something. That's unfortunate. Yeah, he couldn't get there close. either. But uh, especially uh, impressive for no. I think it was six fifty. My bad. I don't even think Spets is at a thousand games just yet. No, oh, he's got to be. No, I don't think so. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm out to lunch. But it was it was six six eighty six with Ottawa. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. He's at twelve hundred and thirty one. You know what he isn't? He's this is actually kind of surprising. He's not at a thousand points yet. Twelve hundred and thirty-one. Got to be high nine hundreds. Nine ninety. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was over a point per game player with Ottawa. Yeah, 600... he had some rough years in Dallas. Some injury problems too. Yeah, six hundred and eighty-seven games. Six hundred and or sorry, six hundred and eighty-six games with Ottawa. Six hundred and eighty-seven points. One more than a point per game. Only two Ottawa Senators. Okay. In franchise history, more than a point per game. 
Jason Spezza, Danny Heatley. And wait, did Matt Duchesne add into that as well? Did Duchesne no, he wasn't quite point per game, but he was damn close. He was close, eh? I'm trying to pull that up here. Oh, one last note from uh, from last night's game as well. Yeah, you're right, just under. Um, it was, I'm trying to pull up the name here. It was Justin, do, 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 do. we said that it was Chinikov's parents at the game. I was wondering yeah, how that's the my they bad. get here in Russia yeah. with all that's going on. But uh, shout out Walter on Twitter for letting us know. We appreciate the corrections. We don't want to give you wrong information, but especially in the postcast, we're jumping on right after. So a lot of it's just from what we remember and what we can see on uh, on the game recap and everything. It was Justin Danforth, number 17 for Columbus, playing his first game in Ontario. He's played the Leafs in Columbus, but he's an Oshawa boy. So uh, his parents made the trip up the 401 and we're able to see it. So that's nice. That's nice. A little positivity at least for the for, other team ross for God someone in the it. crowd someone <laughs> in the crowd enjoyed last night's game i Great. feel for sense fans who were in the crowd last night but to make one a little bit happier we do have the winner of our most recent giveaway it's a signed mark mathot rookie card and it's going to alex lawler alex we really appreciate you following along and and uh engaging with us on twitter as often as you do everyone can go follow them at Alex underscore Lawler underscore two. And we'll be in contact with you to claim your prize. If you missed out on this one, plenty more giveaways to come throughout the stretch. And we need to do everything we can to make sure that Sens fans stay engaged off the ice because on it, it's not great right now uh, to say the least right now. Ottawa's got two wins in their last 10 games and all the momentum they seemingly built up in November or sorry in de- November in, <laughs> in December and January seems like a lifetime ago when they were beating good Down teams. It may as well be another season, right? Sheesh. Yeah, yeah. all all was for naught there and Man, remember how exciting it was when the postcast era was so successful? Above 500? Yeah, what a time to be alive that was. Yeah, it certainly was. We do appreciate everyone subscribing to YouTube. The numbers are still growing as rapidly as ever, which we appreciate wholeheartedly. Subscribe for Pilsy's birthday, or if you already have, make sure you grab your significant others, your family members, your friend's phone, (laughs) and just go to YouTube. And hit subscribe. It's that doesn't cost easy. them anything. Doesn't cost them anything. Leave a review. Do anything you need to do. We really <laughs> appreciate it wholeheartedly. Pilsy, I want to ask you a question about the 2022 NHL draft. We're going to get an update, I believe. We're going to get an update on Jake Sanderson somewhat. And we'll go from there as well. A lot of fans putting in things like, I'm done for the year as well when it comes to Thomas Shabbat. And honestly... I don't blame them. It's not like this is a necessarily fun team to watch right now, but when Drake Batherson gets back, I would implore you to take a peek because that kid's got a whole lot of talent, fun to watch, and hopefully that that top line can at least build something to get fans excited about going in to next season. All right, Pilsy. So this stretch right now for the Senators, it's tough to say the least, but They've got another couple games this weekend. I know you're going to be at the Bell Center eating your shows on uh, Saturday. That'll be great. I'm sure you're going to get to see some boots on the ground uh, people from Sens Army, so that'll be a great time. Uh, win win or lose, I guess it's going to be another battle of the tank with uh, not only Philly but Montreal being yep. right at the bottom of the standings. So why not take a look 
at Elite Prospects 2022 draft rankings. I'm sure you can hear the excitement in the voice. I can hear the radios clicking off from coast to coast and beyond. But let's say Ottawa has a top five pick. In terms of what the Elite Prospects says will be available, they've got three centermen, although one they have listed as center and right wing, and two defensemen, one lefty, one righty, in their top five. Is there a position that you would prefer the Sens to draft from at this upcoming draft? And we're going to continue to cover the draft the way we do, with the knowledge that the Sens are going to take someone who we've never even heard of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have to be prepared for that. That's for sure. Be prepared. I'll uh, I'll be completely honest. I've been trying to avoid draft research because a little part of me is like, well, no, let's not focus on that so early. The Sens are going to have a good team and they're going to make a push. And let's just focus on the NHL season right now. I mean, that, I'm, I'm just lying to myself at that point. And it's probably right around time to just accept what's going on, accept that this team is going to be bottom five, possibly even bottom three in the league. And it's another year of hoping and praying that a savior will be drafted to come in and sweep up this mess that is the Ottawa Senators. So I'm going to start looking into uh, into the draft a little bit more. And to answer your question, though, this team needs, and it's funny because I feel like the last three drafts, Ross, we've been like, we need them to draft a center that will stay a center. We can't have a center that shifts to wing going to the pros or whatever. Now I'm at a point where they need to draft a center that can shift to the wing because this team needs help on the wing. They need, I, like, I, I'm not even so concerned about position, Ross. It's more about ability. They need a scoring touch. Stutzla is, I would say, overall kind of an offensive playmaker. He's he's not necessarily a sniper. They need someone that can line up with Stutzla that is literally just shoot pucks in the net. I'm talking Danny Heatley. I'm talking Josh Norris. I'm talking guys that their number one attribute is their shot, and they're going to be able to compliment Timmy, whether it's on the left or the right side, preferably the right side. But that's the number one goal here is you need goals. And DJ Smith said it, and we, we goofed on him a little, but you can't win many games if you're not able to score at least three goals, especially when you have shoddy defense and inconsistent goaltending. So, for me, that is the main focus, goal scoring. Okay, because I'm kind of looking at what they have on the on the back end right now, even in the pipeline. And yeah, you hope that Lassie and JVD, but if this Simon Nemec kid is available, he's he's who I'm leaning as, as one of my favorites in this draft. Really? He's putting up offensive numbers. He's unreal as, as kind of a steady presence, almost like a, a right shot Jake Sanderson. I'm getting a bit of that vibe from him. So if that's the case and you can round out that decor, I, I think I prefer that because there are they've got a lot of chips in on forwards. And yeah, could some not develop into what they want, but like think about what they how they attacked the 2020 draft, like getting Stutzla, Greg, Jarventy, and Sokolov. And then could you get a bottom six player out of a Dau or a Reinhardt as well? So They've got all those forwards and then Austin Chuck and Boucher in the next year and say what you want. But then, then think of how many defensemen they've drafted in the first round in this last period. Lassie Thompson, JBD, 
Jake Sanderson. Like, yeah, I feel o- like always with the second first round pick, except for, I mean, 2019, they only had the one, but yeah, last, in 2020, yeah. they took the forward, then the defenseman. 2018, the forward, then the defenseman. And then they acquired Branstrom. Like, I, I just feel like right now, four of six defense positions should be fine, right? You got Shabbat, Zub, um, Sanderson, Branstrom can be your third pair left shot, and then. Holden, I mean, he's he's here for a short time. So I don't know. I feel and then I, I'm confident that one of Lassie or JBD will be able to move up there eventually. And then Tyler Clevin, we got high hopes for him too. So for me, I'm not so worried about the D rounding out here. I, I, I'm worried about I want an immediate impact up front. That's that's where I find they're they're not gonna have success here. And if they're looking at trading Connor Brown, that even amplifies it e- even further. Even though I think if they were to trade Connor Brown, it'd be to upgrade on the wing. But I just think they have enough capital in defense that's ready and that will be ready. And I have faith in those guys. Whereas up front, I'm not so sure they have someone that can fill a second line uh, wing goal scoring attribute that's going to be here in time for to grow with the rest of this core. Whereas if you get a top five pick that can do that, you're looking a year at the most, probably two years out where they can help out. Yep. Well, whatever it is, I don't think any of these players outside of maybe Shane Wright is going to be um, is going to be at least a year away. I don't think any of these guys are going to step into the NHL next season. Yeah, that's and fair. if you're Pierre Dorian, you want this job beyond this season, it has to be a playoff team. Now, with that being said, especially with the Shabbat injury, two wins in their last 10 games, you can't trade that first round pick. Absolutely not. Off the table. Now, we, we had tinkered around with that idea, but the thing is, and I feel like I've referenced this a bunch, but I want to emphasize it. Where do you put more of your faith in drafting and developing or in your pro scouting? Well, I mean, I know the answer to that question, but GMs do weird things when they're trying to save their job. And I don't know what page we are of the 120 page rebuild. (laughs) Yeah. What chapter are we on here? Jeez. I, I don't know. But at some point the story might have to take a turn for the worse because if it doesn't get completed, how, how long he's already, uh, how, where do you think he is in terms of tenure for a GM? Like, he's been there for freaking seven, six, seven years now. He yeah. won, he was nominated for GM of the year right off the bat for his big Mike Condon pickup, yes. yeah, which was actually huge. He played yeah, that, it was. that yeah. big stretch. I joke, but it's true. Um, but after that, it's been it's been a team that's been at the bottom of the standings for five years. And say what you want about a rebuild. But we've talked about it. There's teams who have rebuilt and are now competing Around again. and have leapfrogged the sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you really have to start worrying about that. I'm worried about a lot of things, Ross. Are we finishing off the episode being worried? I guess there's not really many other emotions. <laughs> Sad. Uh, melancholy. That's a good one for right now. Um, jaded. These are all great synonyms for how Senators fans can feel and yeah i mean at at the you know what i'll try to spin a positive and say at least there's a full capacity at games maybe the product on the ice isn't isn't the best but we've had a long stretch here where you can't even you can't even drink water and watch a live hockey game at the same time like that's where the world was at so at least we're at a point where you can have a, a zillion beers at the game and just have a good time and just view it as an entertainment form rather than 
cheering for good quality hockey. I know that's what I'm going to be doing in Montreal. So just try to enjoy the the aspect of live hockey. That's the that's a positive I can get for you. That's it. Just over 10,000 fans did that last night at the Canadian Tire Center. They got to see their team score first, and then it's gone. Yep. Jack Roslevic scores twice. Eric Robinson has a goal. Sean Corrali gets the empty netter, and the Ottawa Senators fell 4-1 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. I mentioned they've given up 18 goals on four home games now during this streak. The stretch comes to an end tomorrow against the Philadelphia Flyers, and we can tell you Anton Forsberg starts against Philly, and they saved okay. Gus for you, Pilsy. All right. Gus goes in Montreal on Saturday. We'll discuss that game, preview the weekend, Belleville's as well, tell you what the deal is with North Dakota. I know neither Nodak said will be in the lineup on Friday, but college hockey playoffs work a little bit differently, so we'll tell you what to expect from then, them. And we've got our Send Central Citizen. So that'll be a feel-good way to head into the weekend during a depressing stint for Ottawa Senators hockey. For today, we say goodbye. Happy birthday again, Pilsy. Great to have you chat with us today. And appreciate all listeners for stopping by. Please, while you're here, subscribe on YouTube at Locked On Senators, on Twitter, Send Central, Locked On Dot Senators, on Instagram. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team. Every day.